It's not the way that any healthy human relationship works, right? Healthy human And that's what we do when we try to sell, right? We so go, hey, time. nice to meet you. Yeah. Want to buy my stuff? Yeah, want to buy my stuff. You know, I mean, sometimes like, hey, want to go back to my place and get freaky, right? This is not <laughs> how it works. Like if you do this in, in real personal relationship, you're going to get sla slapped. At least I hope you will. I'm Ryan Dice from digitalmarketer.com, and you're listening to my buddy Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hello there, this is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com with a quick message for you. If you'd like to grow your business profitably and fast, head over to getmetodone.com where you can learn more about the Productive Insights membership program, which is designed to help you grow your business profitably and fast. We help you get clear on your target audience and create an irresistible offer around the specific problem that you solve for your audience. Once we've established an offer that's a good fit for your audience, we then help you to scale your business using marketing automation, which means you spend less time working and more time enjoying the fruits of your labor. If you'd like to learn more, head over to getmetodone.com right now and take that first step towards your business success and your time freedom. I hope you enjoy this episode and get a ton of value from it. I look forward to seeing you at getmetodone.com. Welcome, everyone. Today's guest is Ryan Dice, and I met him recently at the Digital Marketer Down Under conference. He's been referred to as one of the world's leading digital marketers by Shark Tank star Damon Johns. He's a best-selling author, a speaker, and a founder of multiple companies. His entrepreneurial journey began in his dorm room when he launched his very first website as a freshman. Ryan is the founder and CEO of digitalmarketer.com and he's the creator of the customer value optimization methodology. His company is a leading provider of digital marketing training and certifications. Its community has over 15,000 paid members and over half a million subscribers. His company is on a mission to double the size of 10,000 businesses by 2020. And we'll be talking about this in a minute. Ryan is also the founder and the host of the Traffic and Conversion Summit, which is the largest digital marketing conference in North America. So I'm delighted to welcome Ryan Dice to the Productive Insights Podcast. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. That was, a, that was definitely a long bio. Clearly, we need, to, we need to shorten that, tighten that up a little bit, huh? <laughs> yes, we probably do, yes. There's no way that anybody right, so cares that. So Ryan, look, welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast. It was really a pleasure to meet you at Digital Marketer Down Under, and we had some brief but interesting conversations. I would love to start by talking about Digital Marketer's mission, which is to double the size of 10,000 businesses by 2020. That's a pretty bold mission. So can you talk to us about that? How did this mission come to be, and why did you decide to launch this mission? Sure. So let me be clear. Um, it, it sounds very altruistic now, and it, and it is. At the time, though, um, you know, when we first kind of set this mission, which was about four years ago, the business was really just starting to take off. Digital marketer in particular was just starting to take off. And uh, for the first time, I felt like I had a little breathing room. I felt like, ah, I mean, you know, you're an entrepreneur. You, you, you work and you battle. And your, your mission is just to make payroll and, and put food on your table and stuff like that. And we were finally there. And then right about the time I'm starting to go, ah, and breathe a little bit, 
I get some of my team members come to me and they say, you know, why are we doing this? You know, what, what's our mission? What's our goal? What's our bigger purpose? And I remember at the time thinking, we're doing this so that we can both eat food. Um, and, and so really the way that I thought about and approached mission is that that's something that big dumb companies do yeah. to kind of, you know, give some purpose to some, you know, to the fact that they're just kind of a big dumb company. I didn't see a lot of value. in it. I was like, you know, the purpose of, of business is to generate revenue and, you know, make money for its stakeholders. I knew enough. I was, I was, uh, had enough emotional intelligence, I guess, at the time to realize that that was not a good answer to give yeah. uh, to these uh, young team members who really did care about what we were doing. And uh, yeah. so I said, you know what? I don't have a good answer. So let me think about it. And, and I, I really did. I thought about it for a while. I said, what is our mission? Why are we doing this? Because it has to be about more than just that, or I'm going to get bored too. Hmm. And um, I thought about it. I mean, I gave it a, you know, a good solid week. And I remember sort of out of the blue, I received an email from one of our customers, a longtime member. And um, he said, you know, I just wanted to thank you. Because of, of Digital Marketer, uh, my business has uh, doubled not once but twice this year. And he enclosed a screenshot of, 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 uh, of the shopping cart showing here's where we're at the beginning of the year. You know, here's where we are today. And I remember thinking I was, in, in the moment, I said, wow, that's, I said, that's great because I know what that means to me as a business owner. You know, I, I know that means not necessarily more personal wealth, but I know that it means that we can do more with that. We can serve more people through the company. It also means we can hire more. You know, we can pay better. We can offer more benefits. So it, it affects so many people, the, the, the trickle down impact of, of a successful uh, small to medium sized business uh, is really felt throughout whole world economies. And, and that's kind of what it hit me. I said, this is what we do at Digital Marketer. Um, right. We help businesses grow. We help businesses double because if they double, they can hire twice as many people. They can you know, do twice as, as much good. So that's what we need to be about. And I remember the first time I said, I was like, I think our mission is to double small businesses. And, and I saw people's eyes light up. They said, yeah, that's great. So the question was just how many and by when? And, um, you know, okay. we started with a thousand and uh, so people said that wasn't bold enough. And so we bumped it up to 10,000, uh, gave ourselves five years to do it. In that time, we've collected, you know, people who said, hey, we, you know, we've doubled. What we still need to figure out and, and, and a big campaign that we're going to be pushing as we move into next year and in, into kind of the final years of this particular mission is really one of documentation, getting people to, to self-report and say, yeah, I, I, I was one of them. And so we're really excited yeah. about, uh, about that mission and, and plan to kick it off at Traffic and Conversion Summit. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, it, it came from a simple request from a, from a very sincere uh, team member. And, uh, and I believe that it's the reason that Digital Marketer is successful today, because at the end of the day, we are a mission-driven company. Well, you know, some very valuable insights came to me as you were talking about that, one of which was engaging your employees around something that is tangible. I shouldn't say employees, really. Engaging your team around something that is tangible and time-bound. I think I did a case study when I did my MBA. It was, I think it was called the Sears Roebuck case study, or maybe it was a different company. It was called the employee profit chain, I think. And the idea is that if you have happy employees and engaged employees, you have a more engaged company. And I think by rallying people around a specific time-bound goal and a tangible goal, it really does help to create that agency and urgency towards that goal. So kudos to you for taking on such a big hairy goal. I can yeah. appreciate that it's quite intimidating in some ways to be able to put it out into the world and then now you've got to figure out, it's sort of like you're building the runway as the plane is about to land because yeah. you've got to figure out how to document people's doubling of their business. And it's not something that's going to be completely obvious or easy to do, 
but that's entrepreneurship, isn't it? It's yeah, really and, and, and that was why we gave ourselves as much time as we did. I wasn't super concerned about, about doing it. I, I mean, I like to believe we've helped way more than 10,000 uh, 10, businesses. The issue is how do you measure it and how do you, how do you get yeah. that out there? But I knew one thing, and, and one thing that was very clear to me, if we did not put a time, if we did not put a number, then it was just going to be, you know, it was just going to be marketing. It was just going to be PR. It was going to be just like, oh, let's, let's make ourselves, you know, feel good and pat ourselves on the back. And, and it was going to ultimately be meaningless. We may not succeed in our mission. We may come up a little bit short. We may do that. That, that, that could happen. But we yeah. accepted that and we set the mission and, and I accept it today. We may come up short, but I know that we will achieve far more because we set it than yes. we would have had we not even if we wind up failing. And I think that, you know, impacts a lot of missions and a lot of goals in life. Yes. What's that phrase? Shoot for the sun and land of the stars or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's true. I think shoot for the stars and make it to Mars. Maybe, I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> and, and it's true. Right. And sometimes you got to face the reality that, um, that, Hey, maybe when you set a goal, you know, you're going to fail, but so often this happens in life, right? Success looks a whole lot like failure, especially in the short term. Yes. And I think an important piece of that is also if you do fail, then just own it and move on. There's a lot of hype around about failing fast and so on. I think failing for the sake of failing is, in my opinion, silly. But if yeah. you really aim for something and you fail and you learn from it, then yeah, sure. I think that's a very good piece of instructional content at the very least and very powerful even for you if you learn from it. Yeah, I mean, you gotta ask yourself, what assumptions did we make that turned out not to be true? What did we right. try that wound up not working? But I think you also need to look and say, you know, what would have happened had we never set this goal? And, um, and, and yeah, it's our, our, our president here, Richard Lender, uh, a digital marketer. He was the first one to really ask that question of us because we, we also set company goals. Most, you know, a lot of them we hit, a lot of them we don't. But when you ask the question, what if we had not set this goal? Sometimes yeah. the answer you come to is like, whoa, we would have gone a really bad place or, you know, would have been that. So there is power to, to setting difficult, goal, difficult goals. And I think a lot of times people don't set tough goals. They don't, they don't set a big, a big mission because they're afraid of what will happen if they don't hit it. Accept yeah. that as a possible reality, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if you're not willing to accept it, then, then you're either delusional or you're sandbagging. So accept yeah. it as a reality and acknowledge that when you get to the end, win, lose, or draw, you're going to learn from it. And you're going to be better from it if you set the right kind of goals and if you stuck to it. And if you have a learning process built into that, if you reflect on it and say, in the instance where you don't succeed, you say, well, why didn't we succeed? As you said, what assumptions did we make that were not valid? Or where did we not focus enough of our efforts or whatever it is that you can learn from it? I, I think that's very valuable. Uh, Richard is a very switched on guy. I had a long chat with him actually at yeah. the DMDU and he's got a lot of great ideas. He was telling me the story about how he left his first job about half a day after he started him. And then he went yeah. on to follow his dreams. I did something similar. It took me 15 years to leave the corporate world, but either way, I think it's a great thing to follow your dreams and really go for it. Okay, Ryan, so you're an expert at creating conversion funnels, and I've done a bunch of the digital marketer courses, one of which was the conversion funnel mastery course. And in your course, you talk about one of the core things around business growth, and that is this formula, which is Leads times customers times margin times frequency of purchase equals growth potential. Can you expand on that for our listeners and how that helps them to grow their business? Yeah, but I mean, these are kind of the levers uh, as marketers and growth professionals that we can pull. Uh, and, and a lot of times, marketers or salespeople, um, they'll look at it in terms of the funnel or in terms of a sales pipeline, and they'll look at 
you know, leads and prospects and opportunity and close one, close loss. And all that's very, very helpful. I'm not, I'm not saying that that doesn't work or that you, you should throw that away. We, we look at that as well. But I think when it comes to, to looking at growth holistically, um, you got to acknowledge that, yes, the lead flow matters, right? The number of leads that you have coming through, that, that absolutely matters. Uh, and, and that's a lever that we can pull. The number of customers that you're able to generate, right? Obviously, that matters. That's a lever that we can pull. But what, what a lot of folks don't realize is that margin is also a lever, especially if you're a cash flow yeah. business, if yes. you're an unfunded company. Um, because the more margin that you're making, the, 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 the faster you recover those acquisition costs, the faster you can dump them into the top. Now, yes. um, I've had some experience in, in retail, right? And in the retail space, it's all about um, inventory turn, right? How yeah. quickly can we turn our, our inventory? You look at, a, at companies I know in the States like Costco, tiny, tiny, thin, thin, thin margins, yeah. but they turn their inventory so often they make money. So that's where frequency comes in. So a lot of people don't think in yeah. terms of frequency um, as, as being um, a, a growth lever. So if we look at leads, if we look at customers, those are two that everybody just assumes. And then you add in margin. So can we increase our margins through upsells and cross-sells? And then you increase okay. frequency, right? Can we increase the frequency of purchase by maybe changing the model to more of a subscription model um, yeah. through, through follow-up marketing, you know, again, upsells, cross-sells. These four factors combined, if they are thought out in the context of a conversion funnel and not right. just lead customer, you know, opportunity and how are they moving through, but looking at, at, at the business as a whole, I found that that is the best way to grow a company. It, thinking yes. about your margins, thinking about your frequency of purchase. Yes, thinking about leads and customers. That's where everybody goes first. I need more leads. If only we yes. had more. Everyone's know, obsessed with leads. Right. Well, more leads. Like your bucket is so leaky. If we were to dump more, you would just waste more, right? Yes. Let's increase the frequent. Let's get the people we got to come back. Yeah. yeah. Let's get the people we're getting to spend more, more margin right? Yes. Let's get, uh, and, and then yes, let's get the leads to buy more frequently and then, then let's just get more leads. But the biggest thing about this uh, is you want to optimize that direction. You want to optimize backwards. So start with increasing frequency, then look mm -hmm. to increase margin, then look to increase the number of customers, which by the way, at that point is often very few things a lot of times that you can do to increase the lead to customer. Because most of us, if you're a marketer, you're already pretty good at that stuff. Mm -hmm. Any changes, tweaks you're going to make are going to have diminishing returns. And the secret to getting more leads, guess what? You know what it is more times than not? Advertise more. Increase your budget. And so people say, oh, you know, I just, we just need more leads. Okay, buy more ads. Advertise more. Pay higher, pay higher commissions. Uh, you know, do more to, to generate referrals. Give better gifts and put more effort into that. And, and customer marketers will say, I can't afford to. Okay, the reason you can't afford to is because your margins aren't good enough. You're not getting enough frequency of purchase. So more times than well, not, I would also say, getting more leads is to gotta, solve the margin and frequency problem. Right. And, you know, to your point, I can't afford to, I would also say, maybe you can't not afford to, because the opportunity cost of not advertising could mean that you're missing out on customers and profit that you could be earning right now. For sure. Um, Sometimes though, you just don't have the cash, right? Sometimes you just don't have the money, right? And, 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 uh, and, and I've seen this before where somebody says, oh, we're already spending, you know, $100,000 a month in advertising. We can't afford right to spend more because they'll say, I need, I want twice as many leads. How many spend it on, on, you know, advertising each month, hundred thousand, spend 200,000, right? Oh, it's not that simple. I know it's not that simple, but the answer is, you know, the reason you're saying that you can't is because you can't afford it. So that doesn't mean you have to go out there and get more leads. It means you need to solve some of the economics 
of your business that exist within your, the conversion funnel itself. Right. So you're pointing to profit here. Is that right? When you say economics, I think what you're saying to me is if you focus on increasing your margin or getting more transactions with existing customers, so look into your existing database, assuming you have customers, then that's a way to generate more profit, which in turn will allow you to advertise more and get more leads. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when it comes to increasing margin, there's there's lots of things you can do. I'm a marketer and a sales salesperson, so I don't get much into operational efficiency, but um, I do at my own company. I just don't don't talk about it as much. It's not in our marketing certifications. But yeah, I mean, obviously, you should go in and, and you should make sure you're not spending money in places that you shouldn't be spending money on. You should do an audit of your spending and your finances and make sure those things you know, are in line because uh, most businesses you know, their issue isn't that they're not making enough sales is that they're spending too dang much money. It's like, frankly, most yeah. humans, right? They're spending more than they make. So that notwithstanding, uh, yeah. the simplest way for companies to increase their margins is to get more money out of the customers they're already getting. Now that can mean increasing prices. I have yet, it's scary to do, but we have yet to increase prices, you know, 10, 15% and see sales decrease 10, 15%. There's right. always more price elasticity in your market and, and, and in your product than you think. And if you're saying, oh, there's no way I can do it, then that simply means you're not adding enough value. So figure out ways oh. to add more value. So what could that look like? That could look like introducing another level. So a digital marketer, for years we had Lab. And Lab was one level and it was 38 US dollars a month, right? But around 40 yeah. USD a month. Last year, we increased the price to 50. Guess what? Saw no change in conversion, saw no change wow in anything. Should have done that forever ago. Probably should have done it from the beginning, right? Yeah. So that was a simple way. Then what we did is we added two additional levels. We added a level that was 95 and a level that was 295 a month, again, USD. So now what did we do to get that extra money? We just had to figure out ways to add more value to the people yes. who were already serving. And yes. they elected, I'm happy to give you more because I want that more. So that was increasing margin. We didn't have to yes. spend any additional money to get those people. We already had them. The price yes. of acquisition had already been incurred. It was yes. some cost. We already had generally the team to do it. Coming up with, with additional pricing tiers is another way to increase your margin. Mm. Coming up with additional back-end products and services, partnering mm. with others if you can't do it yourself to do that, but just sell them more stuff. And I don't mm. mean sell them more stuff because you just want more money. Sell them more stuff because they almost certainly have more challenges that need to be solved that you're not currently solving. I'll guarantee you your business is not serving every single challenge that your customers could ever have. There's more out there. Yeah. So do the work, figure out things that you could do and they will pay you for that. You know, it'll, it'll show up and that can increase margin, that can increase frequency of purchase. Another good example was yesterday I was talking to a client who was looking for a podcast editing service, which is some, one of the things that we offer as a business. And in addition to the editing, I offered to add on coaching as a packaged option and that was a useful way to increase my margin as long as it made sense to me in terms of my time it was yep. worth my additional time i was able to significantly increase the value of the product i offered so i think it all comes down to being able to look at other options as you said packaging and so on and i really like your point we as a society are a bit obsessed with leads or at least as a marketing community or business community are obsessed with leads. I think if you can look at ways to increase the frequency of purchase, as you said, through subscriptions or increase the margins, that really helps to add 
to your profitability. Our common friend, James Schramko, talks a lot about this. He's very passionate about subscription models. And I think there is something to be said for that. We're seeing a lot of large corporates like Apple moving into the subscription model with the Apple Music and so on. Great food for thought. If you're listening, definitely look at not just increasing your leads, but also thinking of ways to increase the number of transactions you have with your customer each month or year or week and how you can offer more value. Yeah, two things, speed and automation, okay? What nobody wants when it comes to upsells or you know, back-end offers and things like that, nobody wants to be sold something that's, one, everybody hates bait and switch, right? So the idea of, oh, you wanted your car to come with wheels? You know, the wheels are extra, right? <laughs> that's just dishonest, right? So no bait and switch. Hopefully that goes without saying. But also what people will do is they'll say, you know, okay, you just bought this car. Would you also like, you know, to, to do a vacation package? Like that has nothing to do with it. Be yeah. really clear on what is it that my audience wants? Why are they yeah. buying my thing? And, and, and so divorce your product or service from the thing that they ultimately want. They're buying your thing because it's going to take them where they want to go. Yes. At the end of the what day, benefit does it give them? Yeah, they're, they're buying because they want that end result. So get clear in your mind on what that end result is and then say, what are some other ways that I can get them to that end result faster and with less work? That's what I mean by yes. speed and automation, faster and, less, and le with less work. So when you offer coaching, what you're basically saying is, okay, you want a podcast. The reason you want a podcast is because you want some additional awareness, right? Well, you know, there can be some things that are hard to, for your, for your business, you want to get, get your brand out there, right? Maybe yeah. that's your end result. A podcast is going to help, but with some additional coaching, I can help you get that result faster. Yes. And less work because I've been there. I've done that. Right. So that's what you're offering. Coaching is a form of speed and automation. It might just be charging for expedited shipping, right? Don't ever think right. this stuff. I'm going to charge more to get it to them faster. But if you can put it in those two categories, speed and automation faster and with less work, then you're going to find that the, you know, the upsell ideas come to you and you're going to find that you have the ability to increase those margins. If you listen to episode 140 with Andre Chaperon, he's a master of, automation as far as content is concerned, which I think is also an important piece of being able to dig down deeper into your customers' problems and the end result that they want to get to. And then in episode 26, I think I spoke to Ryan Levesque, who's got the ask methodology nailed down quite well and really helps you to understand your customer through an incremental questioning process, a lot of which can be done via email or via quizzes on your website. Those are two useful episodes I would recommend you check out. Okay, Ryan, you talk about the five aspects of the conversion funnel and you use a fantastic dating analogy. And I would love for our audience to hear this because it's something that's so relatable, but so valuable. And at the DMDU, you also touched on those 12 aspects of, of intimacy. Uh, no, it was actually intimacy, Desmond Morris. Which yeah. I thought was Desmond Morris, sorry. Yes, Desmond Morris, Morris's intimacy. I thought that was fantastic. So if you want to touch on that as well, please do, because that really humanizes the concept so nicely. Yeah, I mean, so the idea of the, the five-step conversion funnel is essentially lead magnet, right, which I think everybody knows what that is, offering something of value to generate a lead. Then you have a tripwire, which is a, a very low ticket offer designed to just get a micro commitment, right? It's not the big sale. Then you have the core offer, the main thing you want to sell. Then those profit maximizers that we were talking about, the speed and automation profit maximizers to, to increase margin, increase frequency of purchase, and then uh, the return path, right? So how do you do follow-ups to increase, like I said, frequency of purchase and lead to customer conversion rate? Uh, so those are kind of the five steps. And really, I've always looked at it, yeah, like, 
like a relationship. Sales, marketing, at the end of the day, it, it is a relationship. It may not be a romantic one, but the way that most people approach online marketing in particular is they, they're effectively proposing marriage on a first date. People show up at the website, there's the offer, buy or don't, right? I mean, that's like walking, walking into a bar and you know, just want to people, hey, nice to meet you. My name is Ryan. You know, my, my parents are in for the weekend. I'd love for you to meet them. You seem nice. They're really encouraging me to get married. And um, you're single. What do you say? Right? I mean, that's kind of what, that's what we're doing. And we're wondering, like, why does this not work? Because that's, that's a bit creepy. It's super creepy. It's not the way that any healthy human relationship works, right? Healthy human and that's what we do when we, we try to sell, right? We so go, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah. Want to buy my stuff? Yeah, want to buy my stuff. You know, I mean, sometimes like, hey, want to go back to my place and get freaky, right? And this is not <laughs> how it works. Like, if you do this in, in real personal relationship, you're going to get sla slapped. At least I hope you will. And yet that's what we do. But because it's done online and because it's, you know, it, 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 it sells and marketing, it's not a relationship. We think it's okay, but it's not because it is a relationship. So I've always approached this and say, if I'm meeting somebody for the first time, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to go to him and say, you know, hey, my name's Ryan. Can I get you a drink? Right. We're going to go first. Right. Can I buy you a drink? Can you know, do you're going to do something to justify that person saying hi and talking to you. Right. You're going yeah. to give value in advance. That's what we're doing with lead magnets. Right. And we're going to try to get their number so that we have the ability to follow up. Right. That's yeah. that first step that that lead magnet stage. Then if we get that, we're not going to say, great, I'm going to, you know, Cancun next week. You want to go with me? No, no, that's weird. Too much too soon. Right. It, it might even be too soon to say, hey, let's go grab dinner sometime. Can I pick you up at your house? Right. Somebody yeah. I'm thinking, I'm not going to tell you where I live. I don't know yeah. you. Right. So what do we say? Hey, this has been fun. It's been really great talking to you. I'd, I'd love to meet and grab coffee at some yeah. point. Right. So this idea of a tripwire, that's meeting up for coffee. It's the smallest, tiniest little commitment. So this is a $7 purchase, a loss leader, which has been around in business for a long time. If somebody attends a webinar, right, and they're giving up some of their time, that's like a tripwire type offering. That's, that rises to the level of this entry point offer of getting coffee. So what we're looking for that offer is a little bit of money or a little bit of time. Because those are the two ways that people show commitment. They show commitment with their wallets and they show commitment with their calendar. That's the first date. The first date, and, and once that happens, once they, that, that tripwire occurs, that's when the relationship changes. They're now a customer. Now it's appropriate to go for that core offer. Now it's appropriate to say, hey, this is really fun. I really enjoyed grabbing coffee with you. Would you want to gra go grab dinner sometime? I'd love to pick you up, you know? Yeah, sure, that'd be nice. They know you're not a total freaking weirdo, right? You at least haven't been twice in a row. It's a good start. And then hopefully dinner turns into more dates and more dates. Right now we're getting into the frequency type thing, recurring orders, yeah. right? This, this type of stuff. The relationship begins to ascend with the profit maximizers. Uh, so now we are meeting the parents and meeting the friends, you know, maybe you're moving in together, that type of thing. And then eventually you're down on one knee proposing marriage, right? And that's, that's kind of what we're looking at. So I think if we can ask ourselves when we're building our sales and marketing campaigns, would this be weird in the context of a romantic human relationship? And if the answer is yes, It'd be too much too soon, but guess what? It's creepy to do it in sales and marketing too. And that's probably why it isn't working. If you find as you architect a sales funnel or a conversion funnel, if you're like, I'm having a good time up to this point and this point, they're getting stuck. It probably means you're asking too much at that stage and you need to split it up, ask for a little bit less, nurture them through that relationship, be a little bit patient. Don't be so dang creepy. But yeah, that, that's, that's how I always think about it. 
another good way to think about it is to ask yourself, how do I facilitate a purchase for the customer rather than try and make a sale? There's a subtle but important difference because people don't like to be sold to, but people do like to buy. So if we as business owners think of ways to minimize the friction for the customer to choose to access our product or service and make it as comfortable for them as possible, that would be a great way to go about doing it. So when you go to the girl at the bar and you ask her if she would like to buy a drink, you're offering her comfort and decency. You're giving her a little bit of space to either say yes or no. And I think that space allows her to feel comfortable. So it's not this claustrophobic, like, have a drink, come home with me. <laughs> yeah, here, yeah, exactly, here, here, take it, take it. And I think it also goes to, to the type of marketing that we do, right? If you're marketing to people and you have no way of knowing if they actually want or need what it is that you're selling, mm. that's like showing up at a party and just asking random women, even if they have wedding rings on, if you could buy them a drink. That's freaking weird, right? But if instead, if you show up at a place where you know single people are, right? So how are you doing your targeting? If while you're, if the type of thing you're asking, like, hey, can I buy you a drink? Probably a good chance that somebody, if, if she's already in a committed relationship, probably say, no thanks, right? So where the lead magnet that you're offering, that initial thing is designed to get the people who are interested in what you're offering. They may not be interested in you, by the way. Yes. It's very possible yes. that somebody is in fact interested in being in a romantic committed relationship. They're just not interested in being in a romantic committed relationship right. with you, right? So there's yeah. no way of knowing if somebody, just because they're in the market interested in what you're selling, if they necessarily want to buy it from you, it may be they want to buy it from somebody else. But yeah. you at least want to make sure that they're at least open to the idea that they at least have the problem that your solution solves. And the way that we figure that out is by going first. The way that we figure that out is by offering little chunks of content that people can raise their hand and say, ooh, I want that. Ooh, I want that. And when you say, okay, if they want those things, then they're probably interested in what I have to offer. Then it's okay to say, seems like you want this thing because you might have this problem if that's the case. Here's the thing I got for it. Do you want it? Now they can still say no, and that's okay. Don't yeah. follow them. That's freaking creepy. Again, they said no. No means no. Yeah. But there's a good chance they're going to say yes. Yeah, so the analogy here is offer a drink to the right target audience. Whether right. they want to have a drink that you offer them or not is a different discussion altogether. So they may be your target market, but they may not be a good fit for you. However, go to the right target market. At least give, at least start there. You know, don't be a digital home wrecker. <laughs> I love it. That's a soundbite right there. Don't be a digital home wrecker. Okay. <laughs> that actually segues quite nicely into the next thing I want to talk about, which is creating a good offer that your market wants to buy. So the goal of marketing is, as you say, not only to offer something your market really wants, but to articulate it in terms of their desired end result. And this talks to the importance of benefits and results versus features. So how does a business owner go about getting crystal clear on formulating an offer that their audience really wants? I clearly, one of the things is go and start talking to the right people, as you said. So go to the singles bar if you want to meet somebody and offer right. them the right people, the product. That's step one. But then the next step is what? How to position the offer. So copywriting, offer creation, um, articulating that really comes down to, to one, to having one skill set in particular. And, and that is being able to 
being able to speak to the before and the after. Okay. Right. So, so the before is where is your pro, where's your prospect today? What is their before state? Right. They need to be in a, in a less desirable before state, or they're going to have no desirable lead, desire to leave yeah. that state. The most content person on planet earth is not going to buy anything from you. They're happy. Sure. They're good. Yeah. Right. Try selling a cheeseburger to somebody who just ate a cheeseburger. Right. Yeah. They love cheeseburgers. You know, they do because they just ate it. But guess what? They're not in the less desirable before state. They're in the more desirable after state. They're yeah. in the post state. I just ate a freaking cheeseburger and I'm happy about it. That was delicious. Yeah. Right. So we need to meet people who are in that before state. Now, finding them where they are, that's when we get into to target, targeting our markets and things like that. But really, before we get to that, we need to define what is the before state. And the simplest way I found to define the before state is to look at it in, in four ways. First is have. Okay, have. What do they have that they wish they didn't have? Or what uh -huh. don't they have that they wish they did? Uh -huh. Right. I mean, so that's at its basis, the basic thing, right? So somebody who's sick, they have an illness, they have a virus, they wish they didn't, right? Somebody who is thirsty, they wish they had water, but they don't, right? Mm -hmm. So have is the most basic level, right? That is, we're talking features and benefits here. The next level kind of uh, where we look at it is what's their emotional state? Okay. Okay. So how do they feel? So have feel. So asking them, yeah. what is their emotional state before? Are they frustrated? Are they angry? Are they depressed? Are they upset? Mm -hmm. Being able to clearly articulate what is their emotional state before? And then, yeah. you know, when we get to the after, what's the emotional state after? Okay. Yeah. So right now we're looking at the before. So have, feel, now average day. Mm -hmm. Can you describe what a day in the life is like before? Can you enter into their world? Marketers have been hearing for years that we need to get better at telling stories. The question is, what kind of story do we tell? Tell a story about your customer, right? So if, if I'm a lawn care, if, let's say I own a landscaping company, I, I want to sell lawn, lawn care services. I'm not going to talk about, you know, what, what it might be is like, okay, so right now you have weeds and you wish you didn't have weeds, right? Right now you have, you know, a brown grass and you wish you had bright green grass, right? Everybody's saying. Right now, you're, you're tired, you're frustrated and annoyed that you have to wake up on you know, Saturday mornings to mow the lawn when you'd rather sleep in. Okay, that's getting somewhere. But now if I could tell a story about it, right? If I can say, you know what it's like. You wake up Saturday morning. And you didn't wake up because you wanted to wake up. You, wake, you woke up because your alarm went off. Now, why is your alarm going off on a Saturday, a day when you should get to sleep in, a day when you should be able to rest? Because you need to mow the lawn. And you know if you don't get up and you don't get on it first thing in the morning, it's going to be scorching hot. You're going to lose your entire day. It's going to be awful. So there you are. You're mowing the lawn. You go out to the garage. You're trying to get the dang thing started, but it won't start. Why won't it start? Because there's no gas. You go to lift up the gas tank. It's empty too. Now you got to drive to the gas station. You're filling up the gas tank with oil. Now your car smells like gas. There's gasoline spilling all over the place. You go, you gas the thing up. And here it is. It's 11 o'clock and you're only just now getting in. Your Saturday is gone. Right. I'm feeling the pain already, man. Right. Anybody who's ever mowed a lawn is going to have that experience. So now if I, if I own a lawn care company, I'm not selling less weeds and more green grass like everybody else. I'm selling you your Saturday back. Yeah. Right. I'm selling you your Saturday. So we talk about an offer and articulating that offer, right? This is where it's going to come from. The, the next level, of, I mentioned there were four. So have, feel. Average day gets us narrative. Yep. The fourth is status. 
Uh -huh. If you can change someone's status, if you can alter their status and their state in the world, then uh, they're just going to throw their money at you. I think it was Napoleon Bonaparte said, I've, I've, I've made the most wonderful discovery. Men will fight long, hard, even die for a bit of colored ribbon. Yes. Right? Yes. That's all about status changing, right? This idea that you can change someone's status. We desperately want to be better versions of ourselves. Now you may say, I was a landscaper. How can I change somebody's status? I'm going to speak to the fact that, hey, while your neighbor is, you know, mowing his grass, like he's a common surf, you know, who's having to toil the land, you're going to be yeah. the king of your castle. I remember studying this in the digital marketer course, and I have a question actually about that. Yeah. Why is it that we are so obsessed with status? Is it because of the pecking orders thing that, you know, we are, want to be one up on our other people in society? Is that what it is? Well, I think, I think this gets, you know, this gets pretty deep into the human condition, but I think, I think in general, human beings just want to matter. You know, mm. we, we want to matter. I do think we have a lot of misplaced identity, uh, especially in Western cultures. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we do want to matter. We want to believe that we're important. You know, I think we, we realize at some point in our life that we're probably going to die, <laughs> right? And, and mm. we get a little bit annoyed by that. So we want to, you know, we want to know that while we're here that we matter. And we'd like yeah. to, to have some aspect of us, of us live on. I think that's where status comes from. And yeah, it does get into, you know, I'm, I'm sure you get it. If you talk to a psychologist, you'd get one answer. If you talk to a behavioral, an ev evolutionary biologist would probably explain it by saying, well, this was, had to do with procreation. And if you look at the animal kingdom, right, it, it's the, the alpha that doesn't yeah. just get, you know, the best. The alpha gets all, the alpha male gets all the women, right, and gets to basically yeah, yeah, yeah. impregnate all of them. No matter what field of study that you look at, yeah. they're all going to come to the same conclusion, and that's that status matters. Status matters to survival. And, and so I think it's bred into us, whether, whether you believe that it's you know, an evolutionary biology kind of thing, whether you just believe that, hey, we're kind of yeah. messed up, uh, that is the reality. We all crave status, and that's why of the four, status is the most powerful. Right. Status is the okay. most powerful. Second is, can you tell somebody a story about themselves? That's why average mm -hmm. day matters a lot. Uh, third mm -hmm. is speaking with emotion. So being able to, mm -hmm. to write copy and to, and, and to project offers in such a way that, um, that they speak emotionally. And then, and then the third is, is, is have, right? Right now you don't have this, afterwards you're gonna have it. Isn't that great? You know, right now right, right. you're eating cereal every single morning and you're eating it with a fork and that's frustrating because the milk's seeping through and it's not really working. When you have this spoon though, you're gonna eat cereal like a champ, right? That's have, um, it's good, it needs to be there. But if we can contrast now, so you should document this and you really should, you should grid it out, make a four by two grid. Yeah. And on, on the left-hand side, put, you know, have feel average day status yeah. for the before state. Then on the right-hand side, put have feel average day status for the after mm -hmm. state. Mm -hmm. And then ask yourself, can my product, can my service transport people from this less desirable before state that I've just documented over here to this more desirable after state that I've documented over here. And if the answer is yes, then you have a reason to exist. You need a market like heck because you make a difference in the world. Now what we want to do in terms of articulating that offer is simply want to speak to that. And usually it, it goes kind of something like this. Hey, don't you hate it when insert after? Well, mm -hmm. at Acme Incorporated, we did too. And that's why we created the super widget 5,000. When you have the super widget 5,000 insert before, you'll now have insert after. So it's basically saying, don't you hate it when this happens, i.e. before, when you yes. have insert product service, you'll have this after. And just yes. learning to speak to that, 
Stop talking about your product. Stop talking about your service. Speak yeah. to the shift that your product or service can deliver from the less desirable before to the more desirable after. If you yeah. can do that, people will start paying attention and your offer will convert. They won't right. even know what it does half the time. This actually talks to something that I learned from John Morrow, who I spoke to in episode three, and he talks a lot about understanding your audience and developing empathy. And this is a great way to develop empathy, to look at this model. So if you're listening, I would recommend highly that you take Ryan's advice and assuming that you're not driving, you <laughs> map this out on a piece of paper and think about what your target audience has, feels, what the average day looks like and their status before they consume a product and then those same things after they consume a product. Another good tool is to use an empathy map, which Brian Clark talked about in episode 116. And then I actually explained that quite comprehensively in episode 117. So empathy mapping is also another good way to really understand what your target audience is thinking, feeling, saying, and doing. Now, I, I want to respect your time, and I know that you've got to head off soon. So I normally have a quite a detailed action section, but I, I'm going to just touch on a few key action points, and then you can add anything yeah, else you think. We're good. We're good. Let's do it. Okay, cool. All right. We started off talking about the importance of having a mission. If you have a business, and particularly if you have employees, I recommend you have some kind of a tangible mission that you can rally around and your team can rally around, which is time bound and which is measurable. If you can't measure it, you can't improve it. The next thing we talked about was conversion funnels and the formula, which was leads times customers times margin times frequency of purchase, which equals to your growth potential. Now, a lot of us as business owners are obsessed with leads. The key here is to understand that if you can improve the frequency with which your existing customers buy from you, or if you can improve your margins by offering extra value, or even by testing increasing your prices, you might actually find that you can increase the price without necessarily losing a whole ton of customers. If you increase your price by 15% and you don't lose 15% of your customers, you're heading in the right direction. So there's always a good opportunity to do a bit of testing around that. I think the key takeaway there is don't get obsessed with leads, look at other factors as well. Then we talked about the conversion funnel in terms of the dating analogy. And the big takeaway there for me was it's about creating a process that is comfortable for your audience as just as you would be decent and incremental in your approach to meeting a girl or a guy at a bar. And you wouldn't go and ask them to marry you when you first meet them. You offer them a drink first and you give them a bit of space to interact and to be volitional in the transaction for them to choose to be part of that journey. So you're kind of facilitating the buyer journey rather than trying to make a sale. And just by changing that mental paradigm from saying, I'm trying to make a sale to saying, I'm trying to facilitate a purchase might be a useful way to help you be less aggressive as a salesperson, but yet more understanding and empathetic to your audience. Then we talked about offers and we talked about why it's important to create an offer that solves a problem and that doesn't just talk about features, but meeting your customer where they are. I remember talking to uh, Joe Polizzi in episode 75, and I really liked what he said there. He said, it's about meeting your customer where they are on their journey. And the way you expressed that to me, Ryan, was you said, think about your before and after state 
of your audience. So what do they have? What do they feel? What's their average day look like? And what's their status before they consume your product? And what's that going to be after they consume your product? And then you articulate your offer in that context. So rather than saying, hey, would you like less brown grass on your lawn? You're saying, would you like your Saturday back so that we take care of your lawn mowing services? You can have a nice looking lawn and you can look good in society without having to lose your Saturdays, which you can then use doing something else. So here you're selling them their Saturday back. That's the, the benefit, the result, rather than saying, would you like a greener lawn? which doesn't really translate into value as much for them where they are on their journey. That was the essence of the key points we've touched on. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, so one of the, one of the things we talked about, uh, obviously that before and after grid, if you will take the time to do it, that is, uh, that's the first step before we ever write copy. Thinking in terms of speed and automation, I would, add, I would absolutely add, add that as well. So what's a speed and automation upsell where you can, that you can offer that, that doesn't offer a different after state, but it gets into that after faster and with less work. Mm -hmm. and, um, so this is where shortcuts and cheat sheets are really useful and they can be really good quality lead magnets that you talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so before, really the before and after can be done. I mean, I'm sorry, the speed, the idea of speed and automation can be used on the front to, to acquire leads and then on the back um, once somebody's already bought. Right. So right. anytime you offer some type of a shortcut, people are going to get excited about that. Because okay. we, if, we, if there's something we want and we're clear that we want it, we want it now, right? Yeah. That's, you, you said before, you know, people don't, people don't like to be sold, but they want to buy. Yes. Um, that's, that's us, right? Human beings. We, we want everything on our terms. We walk into, into a retail shop and somebody says, hey, can I help you with anything? We're like, no, just looking. But 30 seconds later, we can decide that we need help. And now we're angry that that person isn't right here. Yeah. We just sent yeah. them away right? That is the human experience. We're highly irrational and incredibly selfish. If you can identify that this is what someone wants and get them to identify that they want that, the easiest thing in the world to sell them is some speed and automation version of it. So that's the only other thing I would add to your list. Fantastic tip. That is really, really good. I got to remember that. Okay. What uh, books do you recommend, Ryan? And which ones have had the biggest impact on you? Yeah, so I'll just say I love books. Books to me, a lot of people ask who, who are my mentors and I, you know, I rattle off names and like, how do you know that person? Or I thought that person was dead. It's because books have been you know, my, my biggest mentor. So I'll give you three biggies that I, that I recommend that everybody read, but yeah. there is a comprehensive list. If you will Google top 100 or 101 books every marketer should read, Digital Marketer. Yeah. We, we recently did a, a blog post of Digital Marketer because I got asked so many times, you know, what books do you recommend? Like, it's hard to narrow it down. So here's a hundred of them. So there is that blog post that's out there. Maybe you can link to it in the show notes or something, but yes, that's please, a good yes. resource. I will tell you three of them that I go back to time and time and time again. The first is called Ready, Fire, Aim by Michael yes. Masterson. It's a pen name for, for Mark Ford, but Ready, Fire, Aim is just one. It, it kind of tracks if, if you know, you're an entrepreneur and you want a, a book that's going to be valuable to you throughout all the different stages of your entrepreneurial journey. It's such a good book. I go back to it again and again and again to say, okay, I'm at this stage. What are the challenges that, I, that I'm you know, dealing with? What, am, what do I really need to focus on? And, and what don't I need to focus on? So uh, Ready, Fire, Aim is one. The Goal by Eliyahu Goldratt. This is actually a book about manufacturing efficiency. It's a book about theory of constraints. It, it, that's, I was going to say, I, I know there's a book called The Theory of Constraints, but I haven't heard about The Goal. 
Yeah, so the goal, I don't know if it came before or after, but the goal kind of introduced theory of constraints okay. to the world. It's written in a narrative format. You know, it's a long book, but it's, you know, it's a good read. I really like the audio book, by the way. But mm -hmm. the idea of the goal is, is really just looking at a system, looking at a process and saying, where are the bottlenecks? Where, where are things getting stuck? Because I believe that as a marketer, your primary job is to look at the entire customer journey and yes. to ask yourself, where are they getting stuck? That's a yeah. bottleneck. And then to realize that as soon as you fix that, as soon as you get the flow, the, the customer throughput figured out, as soon as you solve for that one thing, guess what? A bottleneck is going to be created somewhere else. And then you fix that one and it moves somewhere else. So right. the, the life of the marketer is simply, if we're going to look at the customer journey as just a, an assembly line, right? Yeah. We've got less, you know, people in less desirable before states. They're going to go through our customer factory. We're going to spit them out the other end you know, a happier, better human being as a result of going through doing business with us, going through our, our customer factory, right? Your entire life is optimizing each stage in that. So the better you can get at identifying, these are the stages in our, you know, in our assembly line, in our, in our factory, and, and then getting clear on, okay, this is where bottlenecks are happening. This is where they're getting stuck. Clean up. You're never done. You're, mm. you're always making the whole system more functional, but that book is really what taught that lesson to me. So I recommend that marketers read it, even though it's not a marketing book. And then finally, The Wizard of Ads. The Wizard, oh, of, Ads. The Wizard of Ads. Okay. Yep. The Wizard of Ads is a great book. It was written in the 90s and I believe maybe early 2000s, but I believe it is more relevant today in terms of how do we market? And it, 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 it has a lot of radio analogies, but I believe that, uh, that radio advertising more closely mirrors digital advertising today than any other medium in the past has. You, know, you, think yeah. about how you would consume radio ads, it's short spots. You're hearing it while you're distracted, driving, looking at other things. That's the social experience, right? People scanning through Facebook, just like they're zooming down the road, something catches their eye and the radio, you want to catch their ear. And Roy Williams, who's the author of the book, who is one of my mentors, um, not just mentorship through books, but, but, a, but a friend and a mentor, He's a, a brilliant thinker when it, when it comes to marketing. And so Ready, Fire, Aim, The Goal, and The Wizard of Ads. If, I think if you read those three books, you're going to be smarter than the vast majority of marketers out there. Then you, you know, start tackling the other 100 plus books that we have on that, uh, yeah. on that blog. Okay. Well, that's great tips. Thank you. Now, I'm, we're going to post, as you said, all those links in the show notes of this episode, which is going to be published at productiveinsights.com forward slash 170. And... Most importantly, how do our listeners find out more about you, Ryan? And is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, sure. I mean, I'd just say um, digitalmarketer.com is our site. Hopefully, you stumble across that when you're going and looking at that, that blog I showed you before. But you know, if, you, if you love podcasts, check out the Digital Marketer podcast. Check out our Perpetual Traffic podcast. So we've got, okay. some, got some good marketing stuff to, to listen to, to to supplement the uh, Productive Insights uh, podcast as well. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yes, I will definitely link to those. And I highly recommend listening to digital marketer content. It's great. I've also done about six or seven of their courses. I got 98% of the copywriting, which I really enjoyed. Thank you. So I highly recommend you guys go and check out a lot of the courses because they are really good value. There's a lot of information in them. They're not easy to get through, but you really do get a good education. So I highly recommend it. All right. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show. It was great to have you and hopefully I'll have you back again soon. It was wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 